Business is changing, and new marketing avenues are opening up every day. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show that brings you the innovators and trendsetters, taking us to a new age of marketing, media, and social business strategy. Welcome to Market Edge with Larry Weber. Get ready to hear perspectives on technology and integrated communications that will help you gain insight into the unique opportunities and challenges facing marketers and brands today. Now, please welcome our host, a globally known expert in PR and marketing, with more than three decades of experience and best-selling author, the host of Market Edge, Larry Weber. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Market Edge. It's Larry Weber, and we're going to our second show on... Millennials, Marketing, Technology, Innovation in 2015. We have a great group of uh, young adults uh, with us to discuss everything from their favorite apps to the direction of technology and what marketers want in the fastest growing demographic. We have Sarah Bedrick, a program leader at HubSpot, Hannah Weber, Associate Consultant at Communispace, Bryn Chartier, Marketing Manager at TableList, Jenna Common, from Digitas, Brian Gargan, who's the video specialist lead at YouTube and Google in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and Mo Plasning, a co-founder and CEO of CodeShip, a software company that helps make apps develop faster. This obviously leads us, and, and Mo, I'll let you take the first answer on this one. This leads us to the big question, the old, the typical elephant in the room, right? And that is how we're using this data, the privacy issues, the secure issues. Even though I'm old enough to be your father's, uh, your father, I, I, I don't care actually if somebody knows I like blue shirts and I buy espresso at Starbucks. I'm really over that now. But there's something around the corner like health data where all of a sudden what happens if, you know, people know I've been diagnosed with something or I just use that as an example. I'd love to hear the millennials, you know, sort of opinion about data as we're going to know so much about everything and everyone and analyze everything. Do we just go with it? Mo, what do you think? I think that's a really, really interesting question because for me as a startup founder, I really like that we can get so much data about our customers because I think we can serve them better as we just discussed with marketing automation. But um, if I think about it um, a little bit more summed out, of course, it's a little bit scary that um, we are all gathering so much data and that um, um, certain organizations or companies know that much about us. I personally, I'm still not that concerned, um, especially not regarding my, my healthcare data and so on, because I think what is general happening at the moment is that um, the whole technology space is getting better and better and better and also more secure and people are more aware of all the risks and um, also aware of all the disadvantages of those technologies. So I think we are in the better place than in the past and um, things are mainly improving in my opinion. So I'm not that skeptical there. 
but I, I, I can totally understand that for a lot of people, it's really, really scary that so much information about them is stored internet that Facebook knows so much about it. And, um, I think it's just easier for us, um, to deal with that because we grew up, um, using Facebook and so on. Brian, it's obviously interesting from a Google and YouTube perspective. I mean, you guys know everything. I, we do some work for the Page Family Foundation, and they told us that, you know, Google reports to the government in different areas where people are all of a sudden asking about flu symptoms. And so that's reported immediately that all of a sudden there's a spike in San Diego of people Googling about that. Now, that in a way is a good, a good thing. You know, you would think, but what do they teach you while you're working there about the future of data and data protection and, and where this is all going? Yeah, uh, to go back to um, to the flu scenario, uh, when I first started working at Google, it was actually very interesting. They used that example in that um, Google could actually predict the outbreak of the flu quicker than the Center for Disease Control um, based solely on folks searching. Uh, and where they are in the world, um, which I found fascinating. And right, and you kind of, if you extrapolate that, um, there's a lot of pretty interesting, um, interesting ways to engage with that, right? And to kind of take it to the next level, um, not only as a marketer, right, but just as someone who is, uh, you know, looking to be informed and looking for preventative health, or hey, should I, you know, take my multivitamin tomorrow, you know, based on kind of where the flu is uh, is currently. Um, as far as privacy goes, right, it's it's something that. Um, Obviously, uh, we hold very near and dear to our hearts at Google, and um, you know there's just countless policies and uh, safeguards and things like that that are in place at Google. Um, I, I, you know, personally, right, I, I talk out of both sides of my mouth a little bit because the data is something that helps me do my job a lot better uh, and helps me kind of work with our big brands to make them, uh, you know, more native, more um, complementary to your daily life. Um, but at the same time, right, when you see things like the Sony hack, um, you know, a month ago or whatever it was, uh, it makes you it makes you scared a little bit in terms of how much that you put out there. Um, you know, it gives you a, a little bit of pause, right, on every email that you send because um, it's not, uh, you know, it's not a completely walled garden where, you know, there's no way in or out. Um, folks are getting smarter, and, and you obviously need to be ahead of that curve uh, at, all, at all times. Anna, Jenna, and Bryn, I don't know if you guys can – Taking your turn at this one, I'd like to change the questions a little bit because you're working a lot in the consumer space. Is the future of digital loyalty and couponing based on this data? I mean, I can't imagine humans haven't changed that much from my generation. You still like a bargain, right? You still like, you still like a deal or you still like to get money off something. Um, how do you see that unfolding? And, you know, again, and talked about context a little bit. Do you think there's going to be more digital loyalty programs, more couponing, more deals, and that's probably a good thing. I don't know, Jenna. Yeah, I think it's. I think it is a good thing. I think um, that people younger and younger are expecting again that personalized content, so that loyalty apps are are going up because they want to what they want the things that that they want every morning or every afternoon or every evening or on the weekend from the brands that they love. Um, but it's funny that you say, you know, even if you got that herbal tea, you don't want an herbal tea. It's a free herbal tea if you get it. So um, there is something to, like, the, there's a conundrum with we want brands to know what we like, 
but we don't want them to have our data. And they can't know what we like unless they have the data. Um, so I think, you know, um, younger millennials and, and the generation that's getting into the teenage early 20 years are looking for that data and aren't going to care about it because they want the personalized tea. And even you do. You don't want the tea. Um, you don't care about the bargain necessarily. You want the coffee that you like. Um, so I think it's important. Um, it will continue to be on the rise and less and less people will actually, will actually care about it because they want what they want. And, and Brynn, if I'm going to that club that I like all the time, shouldn't I get in free now and then? <laughs> so that would be the, you know, that's the main benefit of kind of lending your data or giving your data to these companies. They're really able to target something, especially with Tableless. You know, you're celebrating a birthday and it comes once a year and you want it to be perfect. But, um, you know, it's, it's how much data are you willing to turn over to a company versus something like with Tableless, we've been um, growing out a concierge program. So it's really kind of old school and it's it's not, you know, the CRM data collection, but it's someone that's there to be able to help you through the process. So I think that you'll see people start to unsubscribe and lower the permissions that they give these different companies as they start to feel that the data is being abused. And I think that it's important for companies to take that into their, their own toolbox, too, and have data security software. And, you know, that's something that, that we know every person that's logged in with Facebook on Tableist, we're in charge of keeping their data safe. I think we'll start to see lots of trends in data security as well. And Hannah, what are you seeing? I, you know, our, I'm looking for companies that I like to actually organize it all for me. I'm like, look, if I'm going to buy stuff from you, you pay attention to my data and you organize so that when I go into the grocery store, I can hold this up, my phone up, and I have free Purina cat chow. Or whatever, you yeah. know. But I don't want to have to go in and organize my Purina Cat Chow uh, couponing. What do you, What do you see? Right. So this is interesting because across all the industries I work on each day, um, a constant among all the consumers is um, they are looking for those loyalty opportunities. But with loyalty comes trust and um, a relationship. And I think they're really more looking for that relationship with the brand, with the where our clients. Um, uh, so it's kind of what they businesses do with that data and how they build that relationship with their consumer. And the more a consumer feels like they can trust um, their a brand or a business, um, the more loyal they will be to that brand. So... It's all about kind of building that lasting relationship. Um, and, yeah, I think that's the loyalty opportunities, which people are also looking for. It's time for a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with the Millennials, Marketing and Technology 2015. Market Edge will return in just a moment. When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. Now that your business is growing and gaining ground, you only seek out professionals. PPC Professionals, an industry leader for highly optimized search marketing campaigns with over 30 years of combined management experience. Our professional approach to every campaign helps you find every avenue of revenue so that you can not only stay ahead of your competitors, but get a return on your investment and increase your bottom line. PPC Professionals, personal, professional, PPC services. PPCProfessionals.com. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. 
Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is authoritylabs.com. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Paywin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. All-inclusive marketing is the luxurious five-star resort of digital marketing. Welcome to All-Inclusive Marketing. Engage with All-Inclusive Marketing's award-winning strategists to ramp up your online profitability and brand exposure, driving new customer acquisitions, increased sales, and stronger buyer retention. Another mojito, please? All-Inclusive Marketing's full-service digital and performance marketing accommodates every brand, specializing in retail, travel, and software as a service. What a great room. The A in All-Inclusive Marketing means award-winning winning leadership, excellence and results, as well as an A rating by the Better Business Bureau. For reach, engagement and conversion, it's all-inclusive marketing. Reserve a free consultation today at allinclusivemarketing.com slash radio. We're back with more Market Edge, bringing you the best and brightest voices in digital marketing, only on webmasterradio.fm. Once again, here's Larry Weber. Welcome back to Market Edge where we're talking with a group of young professionals known as the Millennials about the future of marketing, what marketers want, technology, innovation, and branding. We're having a conversation on Market Edge on millenn- with Millennials on marketing technology innovation in 2015, and um, I want to ask each of you about some of your favorite apps, more new, not old. Uh, so... If you can start to think about that, I was out in California before the holidays and met the founder of Waze, and I just, I loved it. I loved it. It was just terrific, you know, to figure out that I, they're going to show me different ways around things that have already occurred somewhere. It just seemed like a pretty simple and a pretty easy thing. So, uh, Sarah, anything come to mind about apps that you've recently discovered that you think are just cool? Yeah, I mean, beyond the obvious, which is Spotify and Uber, I found a couple of apps recently to start the new year off properly. Uh, my Fitness Pal is one that I love. You track your calorie, I guess, caloric intake, and also you can track how much water you drink. You can track how much you work out and see where your calorie count is at. Um, in conjunction with that, there's another great app called Seven, and it's a seven-minute workout. There's 12 different exercises, each one for 30 seconds, and uh, after seven minutes, you're done working out, and it pushes you so hard. So I'm a big fan. You just open it up, you work out for seven minutes, and you're done. Yeah, so a couple of my favorite apps actually come right out of Boston, which I think is really cool, especially working for a startup myself that's out of the hub. Um, one of them is called Drizzly, and it is alcohol delivery on demand. It's kind of cool that it started in Boston, but they're, they're really expanding across the country. They're making it really easy. Um, so, you know, just have that bottle of wine arrive at your doorstep after work. 
that I think is great. And then another collab out of Austin that I love is called Co Everywhere. And um, what it is is a real-time social feed uh, from any location in the world. So you can draw a little circle on a map. It can be as small as a rooftop or as big as like around the pyramids of, of um, Egypt. And you can just see everything from Twitter, Instagram, coming right out of that space. So I use it you know, for Tableist to connect with um, our members that are out at different venues in the city. But I also use it to connect with people around me at my co-working space, around my apartment building. It's something to kind of bring that digital connection offline a little bit. It's almost like a new type of networking. Exactly, yeah. And it's a way to get real-time news as well. Yeah. You know, we're talking about Facebook and you kind of see the stream feed of what's happening when this is able to make it location-based, which I think is great. Brian? Um, I, I would have to uh, side with you there in terms of ways, um, taking a bunch of road trips and seeing exactly where the cops are so I can slow down and not speed <laughs> by them uh, is pretty awesome. Uh, we also have one car between, the, between my wife and I, so Uber is a, a frequently opened app uh, on my phone, um, probably to, to no surprise for anyone living in the city. Um, but I think too, right, like uh, when I think about bill pay and I think about having to make deposits uh, for checks and things like that, um, I'm no longer thinking about bank and having to run that errand. Um, and, and I actually choose like my payment system uh, for those that are specified for mobile. Um, so do a lot of Venmo. Uh, some PayPal stuff, and even just my regular bank in terms of check deposits, it has to be, you know, I have to be able to have that ability to do uh, to do mobile deposits. Hannah? Yeah, so um, I definitely agree with what everyone said, Venmo, Uber, and I think the a couple others that um, I haven't tried yet, but I really want to try, one's called Reserve, um, and you can book a table at a restaurant and pay through your phone. You don't have to wait for the check. Um, so you go, eat, and leave, and, and you can pay. And I think what kind of links all these apps together and the apps that you see doing the best is that on-demand economy that is rising. So um, people, and it's not just on the consumer side, so it's on the people who are working side. So for Uber, people can make their own hours. They work when it's convenient for them, um, and it's also convenient for someone who needs a ride. So... Um, and like Brian is saying about mobile banking, you know, that we do it on our own time when it's convenient for us. And so um, it's on the consumer side and the provider side that it's that on-demand thing that we're looking for, I think. Hey, Mo, you have any apps that you think are really cool, especially from Europe? Anything over there? <laughs> Unfortunately, Europe is still like a little bit behind. So I'm a huge user, but Uber is not that good in Vienna, unfortunately. So I'm like walking around most of the time here. But one app that I finally want to try out when I'm back in Boston is Instacart. Um, it easily allows you to order um, your grocery um, online or within the app and um, you get um, everything delivered from your local grocery stores like Whole Foods, for example, um, which would make my life way easier because I always forget uh, to buy <laughs> certain things. Um, and then all the other apps we, we, we already named, like I, I use Spotify all the time. I use a couple of sport apps for running and other um, work and stuff. So. Thanks, Mo. Jenna, you didn't answer this one. How about you? <laughs> um, yeah, I think that level up for me is certainly 
an app that I get nervous when friends outside of the Boston area don't know what level up or um, payment on the phone even means. And it's it's true. I think Uber was one of those first apps that our city knew about, and Level Up is another one. Um, we should be able to pay for everything with our phone today, and um, that doesn't that doesn't happen right now. But it should. You shouldn't have to wait in line um, at a grocery store or a CVS or anywhere um, to pay for something. As Hannah was mentioned on the reserved app, you should be able to pay for everything on your phone. Um, and then I think the fitness ones, there's there's a couple different ones that I use for fitness. Sarah mentioned one. I think the turn that we should all be looking for in apps for fitness is someone made a good point a few weeks ago at CES that it, it can't be elective, so it has to be telling us something about our health that we that we need, that we need every day. Um, so beyond this is how long you ran, this is how much you bike, speed, whatever fitness activity you did, but this is what it did for your health, and maybe here's a recommendation on what you need to do moving forward. And if that can come from our phone and it's starting to with a few different apps, I think that is going to help change our behavior. Hey, I um, we're going to have to wrap up with one last question. I was going to have a uh, lightning round like I usually do, but it's a little... A little too late. We'll have to do this again next year, okay? <laughs> we'll have more of a lightning round. I'm very curious to end with one question for each of you about a company or a couple companies that you actually really admire, and they can't be the one you work for, <laughs> all right? And uh, because I'm trying to get to sort of the uh, the heart of what matters with millennials, you know? Is it uh, a Tom's? Is it a, you know, is it a... You know, um, are there companies that stand out small big that you think you and your generation are looking for leadership and are looking at, at an admiring way, you know, at them? Bryn, how about you taking the first shot at that? Sure. So there's a company that I just love called Warby Parker. And I think they're doing some really innovative things. They're disrupting the way that people purchase glasses. They've disrupted the cost as well. So a normal pair of glasses at an um, optometrist, I think, three, $400. They're just $100 with Warby Parker. So they're really able to change um, that sort of buying process because it's a little, it's more in our affordable price range for a younger millennial. And I think they're doing something really cool with giving back. They're able to donate a pair of glasses for everyone that's purchased. So I think having that um, philanthropic aspect to their company, it really strengthens strengthens their brand, which I think is already one of the coolest brands that I know about. You know, I'm, I've am i opted in to follow them. I get their newsletter. I see everything that they post on social. I just think they do a really good job creating community, too. I agree with that one. Hey, Brian, how about you and your wife? I was actually, Warby Parker uh, came to mind specifically at <laughs> Um, because the access to information is so great uh, and brands are not only able to talk at you, but you can talk back at brands, um, I think the need for companies that have some sort of social ethos that really guide their their principles on a day-to-day basis are, are ones that I truly admire. Um, so, yeah, what, Warby is certainly up there. Um, there's an- another company called WestJet. Um, it's a big airline, right, and you normally don't think of airlines um, as companies that kind of uh, lead the charge in, in this sort of way, but... Um, they've actually done a really good job in terms of creating content um, with just meaningful messages. Uh, and there was one I actually watched this morning that a friend sent to me. Um, there was an anti-bullying campaign, and they kind of did a profile um, on, a, on a certain unique case. And 
just seeing that and seeing, uh, again, to, to Jenna's point, right, the sort of authenticity that, that brands are bringing nowadays um, makes you more likely to uh, to choose those brands when, when you're looking to, uh, to make a purchase. Anna? Yeah, sure. So I think um, one company doesn't optimize for me, but what I think I'm looking for in leading companies or even when um, you're looking, millennials are looking to work at companies, I think it's all about um, the culture and the impact that those companies are having. So something that's larger than than the company or something that's larger than myself. So what am I working for? What difference am I making um, in my day-to-day? Um, like you mentioned, John Deere and their social impact goals. Um, so... Those are two things that I look for in a company and also that whole kind of idea, um, which Uber is the easy example of that. Um, how is companies going to, like, mix, disrupt a market and change things up um, for the better? Or, um, yeah, so that's what I'm looking Hey, Mo, it's your last question. Do you have any companies you admire? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, Amazon, um, because I... Really impressive how Amazon is transforming that as a company from being just an online bookstore to um, scaling that to X other verticals. And um, now or um, several years ago, they started it to resell their compute power um, and started at Amazon Web Services, which is something completely different from what they have done in the past. And I think to in order to build a really sustainable, successful company that is around for a very long time and not just for 10 or 20 or 30 years, I think you have to really build the ability to innovate all the time into your company. And I think it's just really impressive how impressive how Amazon did that and how they were able to always focus on growing the business and uh, making sure that they make their customers really, really happy and create a lot of value for them versus um, what they could have also done is just making a lot of money. But if um, you look at how Amazon is spending all the money they made in the past, they are really well known for just investing into the business every year again and again and again, which is um, super impressive for me. Well, the next time I see Jeff Bezos, I'm going to tell him you said that and and make sure he gives back a lot of those billions of dollars that he's making. Jenna and then Sarah. Um, I, I used to work actually with Lowe's Home Improvement, and I think they're a really interesting company to look at right now. Um, they had one of the largest exhibits at CES a few weeks ago, and I don't think anyone in this room would think that a home improvement store sh- should necessarily be responsible or have any owed to the consumer of this technology and they were in an innovation lab and they had um, a whole unit of, of hologram visualizations for the home and things like that and we rely on a lot of startups and companies like that to do that work for us and they are a major national home improvement retailer um, who's taking the steps on behalf of startups um, and really starting that conversation for home technology. And I, I think it's really fascinating that someone that big um, can make such an investment in technology um, and do it well. 
Well, we're going to have to have a whole show on the Internet of Things because <laughs> if there's anything that's going to impact you guys right. even more, it's going to be that. That's for sure. Sarah, we started with you, and we will end with you. How about a company or two that you admire? Yeah, when you first asked that question, not one really separated itself from the others, and I started thinking about what companies do I feel something for. And it reminds me of that Maya Angelou quote, which is, People will forget what you say, people will forget what you do, but people will never forget the way that you make them feel. And I, we keep going back to the skim, the skim as well as Boston-based what not to wear. Every morning I open up my inbox and I feel taken care of, right? The skim has great information. It helps me feel in the, uh, in the know. And it's written in a way that a friend would talk to you or tell you about it. And I share it with my friends. And Boston's what not to wear does the same thing. It tells me the weather, what to wear suggestions, tells me, you know, about Boston sports and how things are going. And I feel, you know, taken care of in a way. I feel empowered with more knowledge as well. Well, one thing I learned today in uh, my discussion with millennials on marketing, technology, and innovation is that you're not going to separate categories much anymore, that we're going to be integrating more and more the technology, innovation, and life and opinions and sharing and everything, and it's going to have a base of software, but it's really about integrating all these kinds of things instead of separating them out to really make things happen better, faster uh, for everybody and everything. So I want to thank Sarah from HubSpot, Jenna from Digitas, Bryn from TableList, Brian from YouTube, Hannah from Communispace, and Mo all the way from Vienna and CodeShip. And this is Larry Weber at Market Edge and our special hour report from the Millennials on Marketing Technology 2015. Uh, remember, these are posted on Tuesdays at noon Eastern Time in the United States. Look forward to you all listening and your feedback. And till next time, Larry Weber, thank you. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.